Thanks to David Giardino and Isabel Kramer for contributing the music for this podcast. Are we ready? Let's talk some volleyball. Let's do that volleyball. Well, should we talk? <laughs> volleyball. Let's do that volleyball. You're listening to the Jump Around Podcast from WSUM Sports. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the inaugural episode of our Jump Around Podcast here at WSUM Sports. The Jump Around Podcast. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned for it. Just a giant variety of things, Badger sports related. We have a manager's episode, uh, episode about kind of the coaches and maybe the student section area read as well. Um, but the first episode that we have for you here today is about the Wisconsin volleyball team. They are the number one team in the country. One of two women's sports teams that is number one in the nation, by the way, a Wisconsin women's hockey team, newly minted uh, number one at uh, the time of recording this. So, yeah, we got uh, plenty of stuff on tap for this podcast. Uh, I mean, you got an interview with Big Ten ESPN analyst uh, Emily Eamon coming your way. Um, but first, we're joined here by three of WSUM's very cool uh, sports teamers, Joey Bonadonna. Uh, Evan Schmidt, David Giardino. I'm Anthony Winker, by the way. Thank you for joining us here on this episode. And guys, how's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing fantastic. Wisconsin yeah. got out of the non-conference slate. Pretty I don't know. Clean. Undefeated. Squeaky one of, clean. One of two in the country, both in the Big Ten. Best volleyball conference in the nation. Yeah. Not that. without some doubters out there. No. <laughs> some of which are maybe in this room. Maybe. But they did make it. They made it. Eight and no. Undefeated, um, and now they're nine. Nine? 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 Nine, 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 nine. I think I made this mistake in the in the interview coming later with Emily. Even oh, well, that's lovely. Oops. All right, she corrected me too. I think so. It's okay. But <laughs> yes, go. Wisconsin nine and zero oh in that uh, non-conference slate. Tough slate too. I mean, every single team was Power Five except for Marquette, who's almost there, and they're in a good volleyball conference, and they have been ranked for most of the non-conference season as well. So they scheduled hard, and they're very, very battle-tested as we head into Big Ten conference play. Yeah, no, it's always crazy when a 2-6 and six team is receiving votes in the yeah. coaches' poll just because of how tough the schedule they have played has been. And they played one of their strongest matches of the season last week against the Badgers at Fiserv Forum. Really solid defensively. They're starting to get their offense going a little bit more. Talented setter. You know, not a not a bad team at all for their record. Definitely it, not represented. The Kentucky game that we were watching, match that we were watching the other day, we were like, wow, two and five team is really in the top twenty in the country right now. And they now. still are, by the yeah, way, in the new are. poll that came out. It's pretty unbelievable. Only yeah. in volleyball. But yeah. yeah, I mean five ranked wins, six ranked wins after four. Five, I, I think. think. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at especially this last week and you look at Marquette and their record, that does not reflect how good of a team that is coming out of the big east, but I mean, these last two environments that they have played in, it is the two of the three largest volleyball crowds for indoor this season, I believe, mm-hmm. um, it, with, it, with Marquette and Florida on the road this past week. Just, it, I say it time and time again with this volleyball, this Wisconsin volleyball program, pure grit. It, it is just they will find a way to win a game uh, when it comes down to it. They'll find a way to... It maybe not win. Obviously, they don't win every point. They don't win every set. They have found a way to win every match so far, and it, it really comes down to it at the very end of the set. 
you know that you can trust your your heavy hitters to go out and get a point um, crucially um, in this non-conference slate. Big Ten's not going to get that much easier, and it, it's going to be a it's going to be a real interesting season for the Badgers. Well, and I think the thing that you like to see the most is that even though this team has been ranked number one for probably a month now, maybe a little longer than that. Um, there's still been a lot of improvement out of this group. I mean, I think that there were some very, very clear holes that we saw early on that maybe aren't fixed right now, but have definitely gotten better. I think the passing has gotten a lot better. I think the block has steadily improved a little bit, and the you know hitting stayed where it is. I think it's nice to see. I think you see a lot of teams once they reach number one, kind of get stagnant and maybe lose a trap game or you know X, Y, and Z. And it's I mean not to say that this team doesn't have holes, but I think you've seen quite a bit of improvement out of them, too. Yeah, for a team as talented as Wisconsin is and a team that returned a lot of their players from last year, this team has been a bit unlike last year's team in that they haven't been the most steady team. You know, they'll drop sets that they shouldn't drop, but they've had some spectacular moments that you didn't really see all the time last year. Like, you think back to, I mean, yesterday, coming back from down 2-0 in the Swamp, and then that set to run at the end against Arkansas, they rattled off seven straight points, just Izzy Ashburn and Devin Robinson back and forth, like one after another, just hammering it home. So they've had some really high peaks. They've had some low valleys in matches, but they've gotten it done. And, you know, you want to see those high ceiling moments because that's what you're going to need when you get into the thick of it in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they also had a, uh, a 5-0 run against Marquette in set three I believe that was, um, and that that was a very challenging match for for Wisconsin against their in-state rivals as well. When they were able to pull out, obviously, like we mentioned, record-breaking crowd um, for indoor, at least Nebraska fans will let you know that it's an indoor record, and they they don't even like it when they call it a record. They're like, "Ah, the record's ours." Um, but yes, they did something very cool, and we'll we'll acknowledge that at some point. We should have played Creighton. Should've they should have played Creighton. Should have played Creighton. Yeah, it was a quick match for those ninety-three thousand. All I'm saying, you know, you got to get somebody else in there, maybe. But well, they did. They had another game. Yeah, they did have another <laughs> game, another D two game, and a concert after. So you can't forget that. Quite the event. Quite yeah. the event indeed. But yeah, I think going back to just the Wisconsin, I feel like in the past, especially that national championship winning team, they won. They played pretty volleyball, just like in that twenty twenty one team, and I feel like the last couple seasons. Um, this year's team especially, it's been, like Joey says, way more gritty. It's not always pretty, but they, they always seem to pull out wins. Uh, they don't ask how. Yeah, they don't ask how. They ask how many at the end. Yep. And all that matters really is getting one of those top four seeds at the end of the year, and I think this team can do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, with the injury in uh, for Florida, I mean, we'll talk probably talk more about that later. I think that that – solidification as a top four team has uh, the chances of that have definitely grown um to also even beating florida so yeah i think that you're right that's just that top four is the magic number at the end of the year and i think you see all these other top teams in the top 10 you see their vulnerable moments as well Mm. too i mean you look at i mean nebraska they're undefeated right now but i mean they've still had their their tough battles uh, Florida, obviously, they had had their tough moments against Sac State, State and Florida State, and now they just lost Stucky. Um, That's a big loss. And it's for a them. big loss for them. Um, but I think it really does come down to how this conference slate is going to come out. Obviously, that is going to be the 
you got to play the rest of the season to get to the NCAA tournament and d- determine those top four seeds or the, the one seeds in the tournament. But I just I, – I trust this Badger team with what they've done in this loaded non-conference slate. Uh, no non-Power 6 teams to go out there and get a win when it matters most. I think that's going to be a fun Big Ten season for them. Yeah, I think this team is – probably even slightly more resilient than teams we've seen in the past. I mean, just because because of how good that national championship team is, you didn't really see them in a lot of spots where they had to come back like this team has. I think that it does say something to the character of this team that, you know, this past Florida match, um, one of the first Arkansas match, the Tennessee match, they have been down and did find ways to grit out wins. I mean, sometimes even as a fan, you don't want to see your team be totally dominant through the first nine nine and sweep all of them and not have any tests. I think that having tests in games that not that don't matter but matter less so than certain conference games and seeing that your really good team can also grit out a win I think is is definitely good for Badger fans. Yeah, I mean thinking back to the 2020 team, the year before they won the national title, they didn't <clears throat> they didn't drop a set until the Elite Eight. They were super consistent through conference play, dominant, sailed to the number one overall seed. But then when the games mattered the most in that odd environment, they weren't able to get it done. And then they come back. They have a slightly more uneven year the next year when they won the national championship. They were only the number four seed that year. People forget that that was a year that Texas was very dominant in the regular season. And obviously Texas finished it off last year. But there is no real team on that level this year in college volleyball from what I've seen. If you had to say the most consistent team as of right now, you would have to say Nebraska because they haven't gone to set five yet all season. But yeah. also, Wisconsin, much tougher strength of schedule. Yeah. Nebraska's hardest games, Creighton, Kentucky, Stanford. The Stanford win is very good. Yeah. yeah the Stanford win for ne- Nebraska was extremely impressive. But like you said, that's essentially the only challenging match that they that they put on their schedule. I mean – both of those other two matches, Creighton and Kentucky, obviously we've already talked about Kentucky. They had, they barely beat any ranked opponent this year. And Creighton, they had them at home. So both of these two matches, Creighton and Kentucky, were both at home. The win against Stanford on the road is very impressive, though. Um, but I think this was kind of proven. You know, this is a Big Ten that's not as top-heavy as it has been in the past in terms of volume, at least. I think there's a clear top two mm-hmm. in the Big Ten this year with Wisconsin and Nebraska. But obviously Minnesota, I feel like, has kind of fallen off this year, kind of breaking in a new coach, lost Jenna Wenis in the transfer portal. Penn State's not as impressive. Ohio State lost everybody. I mean, they had the whole exodus of their team, so they're not nearly going to be as kind of challenging of a team to face as they were last year so it kind of feels like a two-horse race in this big 10 and I, I wonder what you guys think because obviously nebraska is extremely young they got four freshmen in the starting lineup andy jackson harper murray um bergen riley just all they're very talented players but they're young um and obviously wisconsin is way more experienced so i mean do you think that that youth um that for Nebraska is going to catch up to them, or or is that experience from Wisconsin going to uh, kind of reign supreme here? I, I, I do want to say this. I, I really want to see this be the national championship again. Mm-hmm. I think these two are the – I mean, there's a rivalry there, not only just being a Big Ten rivalry. I, I, I think there is a lot of history between these two programs, a lot of respect for both coaches, and I, I, I want to say I want to see that be – the national championship this year but I think you said it uh, there is a lot of 
uh, youth in that Nebraska lineup, but there, there are a lot of staples on that team from that national cha- national runner-up team um, just from two years ago that are still in the rotation. I, I, I like to trust what they bring to the table as well. Lexi Rodriguez has been phenomenal to start the season for Nebraska. Um, I, I still got to give them the trust to – to pull it out in Big Ten play. Yeah, this Nebraska team scares me. Um, not just because I mean the youth obviously will play a role, but it's their their style of play. They're uh, I I was watching that um, the match we just I can't remember who they were Kentucky. playing. It was Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, um, they showed a graphic that Nebraska's opponents are hitting under 100 yeah. so far this year, and that team defensively, I think is going to be the Achilles heel of this Wisconsin team. I think that longer points are not Wisconsin's friend right now, especially teams that do not beat themselves. I mean, I think we saw a lot in that, that Florida match. The service errors from Florida really killed them in that match, um, especially because Wisconsin is a team that makes a lot of unforced errors. I think Lexi Rodriguez and that defense is really going to give Wisconsin some trouble. Yeah, I think... Nebraska, I think we'll see it. It's a shame that the game at the Fieldhouse is over Thanksgiving break Mm. because I think you would really see it if it was a little earlier in the season and you had a full student section environment at the Fieldhouse for that game. I'm sure the student section will still be full, but it might not be quite as crazy as it would be during the semester, not on a holiday weekend. Uh, I think they'll be fine at home, and obviously I think the expectation in this group is that Nebraska will get a home regional. They'll be a top-four seed in the tournament, so they won't have to play in a tough environment for their Elite Eight game, which helps with the youth. But then you go to a neutral court in a huge basketball arena for the first time for that team probably, and you've got four freshmen in a big match against Louisville or Wisconsin or Texas or someone in that vein, like a big match, big stage, first time. You might see some jitters come out. I mean, we saw it with Wisconsin last year. Like The Mm -hmm. lights got bright. And some of the younger players that hadn't been in that position before weren't quite able to be as consistent as they had been leading up to the tournament during that game, the game against Penn State, which they pulled out, and then ultimately the loss to Pitt. So we'll see. And that, that's something that we should be looking for as growth from Wisconsin this year, too, because they have pulled out those games this year so far. The road game against Arkansas, where they struggled mightily, the road game against Florida yesterday. But when the lights get bright again, hopefully they'll be at home again for these regionals. Can we see improvement from the team, you know, in high-pressure situations? Yeah, and we'll, and we'll see because, uh, like you said, the expectation is that they, both of these teams will be hosting um, regionals. But a hypothetical Wisconsin-Nebraska matchup does is very intriguing. We'll get to see it twice this year, which is very cool. But, I mean, both of these teams are so good at – at different things like Wisconsin's block is is elite but and Nebraska is just as good defensively but for a different reason there maybe their blocking isn't as good but I mean with Lexi Rodriguez kind of leading the the digging and they, they're able to get anything off the floor and that's kind of contributed to um, their holding opponents to under uh, under 070 meanwhile Wisconsin's like quick strike offense is like unrivaled in the nation so there's it's such an intriguing matchup uh, for sure, but I do want to talk about um, something that, like we mentioned, did kind of kill Wisconsin last year, especially in the um, in the regionals, uh, which was the passing. It should have lost them against Penn State, and it nearly lost. Er, it <laughs> did lose them against uh, Pitt. So, 
let's talk about that passing a little bit. It's kind of been a struggle this year, um, and then, and lineup juggling has only, can only do so much when you're when you're outsides. Uh, Tammy Thomas, Elara, and Sarah Franklin, neither of who are very good passing the volleyball. And by passing, of course, just for all those who don't really know what we mean, um, passing is just the first ball off the serve. Can you get that uh, in system to your setters uh, so that they can run the offense fully? Uh, a lot of times you'll see, especially for Wisconsin, the setter has to come off the net or they just completely miss it entirely and you obviously can't have that. So the passing, it's been a struggle for Wisconsin this year uh, and that's definitely going to need to improve down the stretch here. Yeah. And- and this even plays into the Nebraska point a little bit that Joey was making about the longer points that we might see in this match. If Wisconsin can find a long-term solution in this DS-Libero battle that's kind of still going on. We saw Sage Damro for the first time this season against Marquette. Gooch Tekken played fairly well in the down the stretch against Florida, and obviously Orgel has been manning the Libero spot for most of the season. But it does feel like for the first time since really Daniel's Hart, Daniel Hart's injury in the 2021 season that Wisconsin has had significant lineup questions entering Big Ten play. So if they can find steadier play from that position, that could be a, a big move towards being a little more even with Nebraska in those longer rally points. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see. I think you're 100% right with those DSs and the utilization of them really getting Franklin and Tammy off of that back line because it's proven so far this year that that just does not work and it will not work against good teams um it'd be interesting we've had this conversation evan a couple of times about you know will we see demaro get the shirt at some point this year or will we see gustek and get the shirt again like will they try to utilize orzel in different ways just to maximize the defense because that is that's the key i think we've seen multiple times when kelly sheffield goes to that ds when they need defense, that's when the tides have started to turn, and that's good because I just I don't think that Thomas Ilara or Franklin are going to improve that much over the course of the year, where that will not become a problem anymore. And I think with how potent this attack is, they can sacrifice a little in their hitting to make sure that they're not giving up those unforced errors. And I think you just look at how Kelly Sheffield constructed this roster in the portal. I mean, you've had. For starters, your newcomer, you had Damro like in the works for how many years now? Um, but you look at what he did in the portal. He went and he got Carter Booth, and he went and got Timmy Thomas Ilara. He went to bolster that attack at the net. But you see where that started to hurt a little bit is obviously that back row is not bolstered at all um, for what this team needs to do if they want to contend for a national championship obviously they're still the number one team in the country but you could see that question mark there and it, it really is going to come down to one of these days if your attack in the net is not going to be able to get it done you're going to struggle to get a big win when you need it most yeah and i don't want to discount how orgel has stepped in and been a stabilizing yeah. force in the back for this she's been team. good she's been uh, in serve receive she has been a major stabilizing force but it's once you get, and she did have several good players. She had a couple pancakes in the Florida game that were quite impressive. But in floor play, it's clear that she's not quite on the level of Goose Checking and Damro. And that's to be expected. She's a hitter. She hasn't played extensively in the back row for her entire career. And she's done a really good job stepping in there. But when you talk about teams and high ceiling, like you think you might have a higher ceiling if you start getting one of the younger Liberos more experience, especially in a stretch of. 
I don't want to call them easier games because you're in conference play. Every game is going to be tough, but you don't have a ranked opponent for a little bit here. So this might be a good opportunity here at the start of Big Ten play to try to experiment a little bit, get some experience from those DSs, and really try to finalize the rotation in the back and try to find something that you can feel just a little bit more comfortable with. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I think that it's a it's a double-edged sword in that not only is Orzel not necessarily comfortable in that role, is that she's being asked to do more than most liberos are asked to do when she has Franklin and Thomas Ilara on both sides. She has to cover so much more space than anybody else. If she's on the outside in the back row and you have Gucci or Damro and at libero, then, you know, neither of them has to cover as much space, which means, you know, their either fatigue is probably not as bad and the balls that they have to get to aren't as hard either. Yeah, it's it's so strange to, to think about that too because obviously I think they they don't trust Thomas Elar at all on servicey. But the, the other part about that is I mean, early on in sets especially, she's such a weapon behind the service line as well, where you want her in that back row sometimes taking serves because as we saw against Arizona, when her serve is on, it other teams just can't get it. And that's that's the other thing that throws such a wrinkle into this. Aside from that is the DSs, too. And this week, uh, we're recording on, on the, the Monday after the Florida match. So this past week, Wisconsin played Marquette and Florida. Um, both Dam- Damro rescued that match against Marquette. I don't mm. think Wisconsin wins that match without Sage Damro coming in. And against Florida, Gooch Tekken saved that match for Wisconsin. I don't think they win that if Gooch Tekken doesn't play as well as she as she did against Florida, because Damro, she was the first DS off the bench, and, and she struggled uh, in against Florida. So, I mean, there's st- it's just so interesting to see how Kelly Sheffield is going to juggle all this because he has so many options in the back row, and sometimes what's the right option for one day and one match isn't the right option for another. It's just- like the adage about quarterbacks. If you have two liberos, you don't have one. Uh <laughs> And obviously, that's something that Wisconsin has struggled with because we've seen in matches some of the defensive specialists have had a quick hook, especially recently. Uh, both Gooch Tekken and Damro have gotten a pretty quick pull through errors at the service line or errors in serve-receive. And so you want to see someone put a couple quality matches together, string some matches together, and really take a hold on this job. Because obviously, they're both young. Gooch Tekken's a sophomore. Damro's a true freshman coming off an injury in her senior year in high school. So... There's a lot of, you know, inexperience there. And obviously, for Damro especially, tough first two environments for yeah. your first college matches. The first time you're playing outside of a high school gym is at Pfizer Forum and then at Florida, yeah. attendance record. Like, that's high Good pressure for someone who's being asked to do a lot, like David said. Absolutely. When they're back there as the DS, you know, you're, they're asking a lot of you. And you can see it with Gooch Tekken. I think that's part of why she struggled more in serve-receive this year is they're asking more of her without Orgel on one side. Like, the worst back line for the team last year was Orgel, Gooch Tekken, Franklin. Like, Franklin was the weak link, and she's been the stronger passer than Thomas Alara this year. So when you have a liberal alone with Franklin and Thomas Alara, that's that's an even tougher ask than where – Gooch Tekken still had up and down games last year, so it's a lot. It's a lot to ask. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I really do hope that Gigi is able to to rebound because most of last year she was she was on point and she realistically had three, I think, bad games that I can think of. Yeah. One was against Florida last year at the Kohl Center, yep. and then the other two just so happened to be in Wisconsin's two biggest matches of the year. 
Sweet 16 against Penn State and the Elite Eight against Pitt. So, and, and but so far it's it's been a bit of a struggle for her, and I I really hope that she can get back to being uh, a, a weapon in the back row and and being an elite libero because again, like we mentioned, when the points are in play. I mean, there's not many not many liberos in the in the Big Ten that I would take over Guchtekin when she, when they're just asked to be diggers and bump setters because Guchtekin is very good at at both of those things. It's just the passing that's been that hasn't really been there for her uh, so far this season. Yep. Yeah, and the secondary setting is important too with both Guchtekin and Damro. That's another one of the areas where Orgel is inexperienced and has had some growing pains to start up because when. Hamill or Ashburn has to take the first ball defensively, then you're into a point where Orjal or even Crawford sometimes has been the passer, and it's led to a lot of challenging swings for Franklin and Thomas Alara. And Franklin and Thomas Alara are both very good at giving a challenging ball when it's a free ball situation Mm -hmm. for the opposition. But you would obviously rather them be able to take a full swing, something that you think can realistically get a point for the team. And so if you can have one of those liberos step up who's maybe a little more experienced, a little more talented on the bump set, that would just be another way to improve the offense for this team. Yeah, and again, it's especially important when you have your setter always in the back row, like Wisconsin does in a 6-2 offense um, where you know the setter is going to be taking that first ball a lot of the time just naturally because they're, they're in the back. Um, but yeah, Wisconsin, they've run that 6-2 now for – Two years now, which is their second year. They have six hitters. And so far, the offense, uh, we'll give that a little bit of time here because, I mean, we've kind of harped on the defense a little bit, the passing. But offensively speaking, I mean, man, there's not a lot of better teams in the nation when Wisconsin does get in system because they, they have just so many weapons and, and options for, for Ashburn and Hamill, uh, Wisconsin's two uh, fabulous setters and captains uh, to, to, to pass the ball to. I want to give credit to one one player, uh, Carter Booth, has uh, been yeah. absolutely phenomenal. It is, I, I say this every the, the few times I've been on a broadcast this year uh, for Wisconsin Volleyball, Carter Booth, when in system, it's almost unfair because it, her hands are above the net just standing as it's, it, you, there yeah. is like right off the set she's able to get a quick attack and a powerful attack at that. Um, she's been phenomenal. It's been strange, and we talked about this watching the Florida game. It's been strange seeing Devin Robinson not as the primary hitter, but when she is getting those swings, she's been extremely effective. And then Sarah Franklin, uh, she kind of just has a large array of shots that she can go to to get points for the offense. Whether that be the roll shot, the traditional swing, it's there. There is so much that you can go with weapons wise, right at the net. Uh, ju- just with those top three, with uh, Booth, Robinson, and Franklin at, at the one spot. I mean, Devin Robinson is hitting three thirty six yeah. nine games into the season. That is unbelievable. And I mean, I think. A lot of Wisconsin fans, after Danarecki left, did not expect to see the slide as much anymore. But the slide has been unbelievable the, with them when, and Robinson. When they, when they, the they do it, they've ran yeah. it. When they do it, it's it's, it's elite, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I I hope that she starts to get more swings because it seems like I mean the stats back it up that she has been the best hitter this year. I think she's the best at hitting around the block. I think she's the most athletic hitter that we have on the team. 
So that would be the one thing with the offense I would hope to maybe see a little bit more. But, I mean, like we've said, like there are very few holes in this offense itself once in system. I mean, you're right. Booth has been an unbelievable matchup. I mean, once you once Izzy sets the middle, there's not a lot you can do to stop 6-7 in the middle, especially how high Carter Booth gets on her jumps. I, I mean, Franklin, Ilara, Thomas Ilara, and Devin Robinson have all been amazing. But I think, Joey, I think you're right. That addition of Carter Booth has been so helpful for this offense if they can get the ball in system. And you're still going to get two more years after this out yeah. of her. Like, yeah. the sky is the limit for what Carter Booth can do for this yeah. Wisconsin and offense. A, and a probable switch to the 5-1 next year with Charlie Fewerbringer coming in from uh, Hermosa Beach, or I think California. Um and she's elite, an elite blue chip setter in the in the mold of Bergen Riley. So if she can have a similar effect uh, as Bergen Riley setting on Nebraska this year, I mean, Wisconsin next year is going to be just as fun. And a shout out to Anna Smrak too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, like these these last few matches for for Anna Smrak have been phenomenal offensively. Yeah, Anna Smrak is playing her best volleyball since that national championship run, where she was the most valuable player at the final four of the year they won the championship. I think. Obviously, Devin Robinson, again, absolutely incredible start to the season. And Carter Booth, the one ball from Ashburn, has been a revelation for this team. That's an element to the offense that this team didn't really have last year. Hart was more of a slide player, which is interesting when you see that Robinson is taking some of those swings now because that is something that she was able to do with pretty good effect when she was the second middle blocker on the national championship team versus the right side where she's playing now. The middle blockers that we have right now, Crawford and Booth, they're not really slide players. I don't think we've set a slide to Booth all season. I, think, <laughs> I that would be an interesting one, but I think they're they're happy with the one ball connection that they're having with her right yeah. now. But it's interesting that they've been trying to mix up Robinson's swings a little bit more, get her some easier looks on the slide, because I do think she, for as well as she's been hitting, when it's just the right side ball over and over again, sometimes the blockers lock in on her a little bit. So I think it's an interesting little twist from Kelly to try to free her up a little bit, get her some clear swings. I'm just trying to envision a Carter Booth slide, and it's just like <laughs> that just must be the most scary. A little scary. Yeah, I don't know. Scary. About that. She's, I feel like she's athletic enough to it for, for it too. So they can they can set her for it maybe. I mean, and we'll if, see. If it, if no, nobody will it, do it as good as Dana Redke. No, no. But if you can get it to work with Carter Booth, that has to be the scariest thing. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if she could, that do it. that might that might be what you need. Maybe to next Nebraska, year. But maybe next year. Don't try that this year. If, if Carter Booth gets got a, gets a slide, my Carter Booth Player of the Year pick for next year might might come true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll we'll hear from Emily Eman here in a little bit. Um, but the last thing that I just wanted to get to uh, while we have the guys here is um, just some end of the year predictions. I mean, this Wisconsin team obviously feels like they have the talent enough to do it. But I mean, guys, do do we think that they they can get it done? Do we think they can at least get to Tampa, um, get that fifth Big Ten title? I mean, what are your, your kind of expectations for this team moving forward. I think here. the only team standing in their well themselves. Yeah. But the only team standing their way of com- of co- accomplishing what they want to do this year is Nebraska. I Big agree. 10 title and national title. Um I think that we're going to see some great matchups between Wisconsin and Nebraska this year. Um I I I said it earlier, I will predict it. I think Wisconsin Nebraska in the national championship and I think it's going to be the team that does not win the Big Ten tournament or the Big Ten title is going to win the national title this year. All right, my bold take, 
Nebraska sweeps Wisconsin in the regular season, loses to them in the Big Ten tournament national championship. This is no Big Ten tournament, but it's oh, a Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> Big Ten championship. Sorry. Well, oh wait, no, no I'm no, yeah, this no, is volleyball. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. They, they lose both games in so the regular so, season and then beat them in the natty. Okay. Yeah, you know, that works. Mean. That works. In the games that matter. Yeah. That's we'll take that. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't want to beat the uh <laughs> running the, the fire hose on this one. Uh I think not getting to the final four would be a major disappointment for this team. Especially yeah. with Stucky's injury. I think it's gonna be a yeah. challenge for Florida to get past the what I see as the clear top four teams of Louisville, Stanford, Wisconsin, Nebraska now. Yeah. I think yeah. you just can't you can't expect the backup setter for Florida to perform at an all American level. Even if the hitters for Florida and the Libero are all very talented. Shout out to Wistosha Central though. Yes. Yeah. Florida is still an elite yeah. eight caliber team. Should cruise to the sweet sixteen at least. But they might run into some trouble later in the season. Oh, we're gonna have an all <laughs> we're gonna have an all red Final Four, yeah. aren't we? It's gonna yeah, be no, a lot of really a lot of a lot <laughs> of red in Tampa Bay. I, I do want to say one thing, and this keeps with the red theme. I'm impressed with what Washington State's done in the last week. I don't know if it's gonna be sustainable. I haven't watched them play like fully, but the results that they put up against Baylor and Texas to jump into the I don't know where they're ranked now, but I believe they're they were high 11 up there. Can we not even talk about the possibility of Washington the State beating us? They beat us in volleyball. Why does Washington no, State find its way can beat us, they, can, they can beat us in football, but they, if they What's beat up, us in volleyball, we have to take uh, volleyball. No, yeah. no, they shouldn't have, obviously. But all right. Let's no, my, my, to finish off my thought, my, my season prediction would be Louisville getting their revenge in the Final Four. You think? And a Louisville, that. Nebraska, and Addy. Hey, at least we would get to go to Tampa Bay then. That's yes. all That's all I say. You know? Anthony gets to go to Tampa Anthony Bay. Gets to go we'll to see. Tampa we'll Bay. see. I, I, maybe I'd be one of you. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Let's hear from Emily Eamon really quick, um, and then we'll be back to wrap things up. All right. Happy to be joined here by Emily Eamon, uh, contributor for... I mean, all kinds of things, right? Big Ten, ESPN, NCAA, I've seen you everywhere. Yeah, it's been um, pretty crazy a uh, little bit for you, hasn't it? Oh, it's been wild. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we could make it work. The season's starting up and, and things are getting busy. So trying to, trying to manage travel and games and everything, but it's an exciting time. There's a, never been a better time to be in volleyball, so I'm happy. Yeah, definitely a sport that is seen some monumental growth uh, over, the, over the past, even the time that I've been in college, I feel like it's uh, absolutely just been blowing up in terms of, of a sport and like TV and attendance records that we've seen like five or six already go down at different places in the past week. Um, how has that been to like sort of just, you feel like you're being a part of watching the sport grow so much? Yeah, I feel like I got lucky in a sense where right when I graduated, so I graduated in 2020 and got into volleyball, started calling games in the spring of 2021. I really only had kind of one or two games then, but even seeing from when I started calling games and doing digital content and all that until now, it's been crazy to see the sport absolutely explode in terms of TV numbers in terms of attendance at schools, not just at some of the big schools, but we've seen D2, D3 schools as well. Those attendance records shattered at, at different places across the country. Also having volleyball now be the most participate in, participated in sport amongst high school girls and young girls. It's been crazy for me to kind of be able to ride that wave of volleyball exploding. And, you know, hopefully for me, 
one thing that really drives me is pushing the sport forward and just thinking of where we were even three years ago with, you know, NCAA tournament coverage or what have you, it's, it's exploding. And if I can have a small part in that, I I'm very happy to do so. And it's been so fun and kind of a dream come true for someone who's, you know, been playing volleyball our whole life and now is kind of dedicated my entire profession to it. Yeah, that's awesome. And let's uh, obviously pretty uh, blessed to be at a school like Wisconsin, where they do have a very, very good volleyball team currently ranked number one in the country, made it through a pretty rough non-conference schedule unscathed currently, I believe, I think eight and oh or nine and oh right now. Um, but obviously you've done a couple of games and I'm sure track them from afar as well. What have you what have you seen from Wisconsin this year? Uh, in terms of, I guess, uh, what their expectations were going into the season, how they've kind of met those or maybe even exceeded. Wisconsin right now is the most physical team in the country that I've seen. With the pieces that they have on, on offense, especially in the front row, they are unmatched in terms of physicality. You know, you put up a 6'7 girl next to a 6'8 girl, of course, you know, it's going to be just block after block and complete offensive dominance. Where this team has struggled from time to time is from a passing standpoint, because they have such physical attackers. Those hitters want to get the ball as much as possible. And they've been tinkering around at the back row a little bit, even, you know, switching up pieces. They'll have sometimes Tammy Thomas, Ilara in the game. They'll have Yuli Orgelat Libero. They'll flip everything. And they've been tinkering the lineups a little bit, but from the expectations coming into the season, of course, now that this team has won an NCAA tournament and bringing in that title now won four straight Big Ten tournaments or Big Ten titles, the ex expectations for this team are a little bit different than they have been in the past. Like they're shooting for an NCAA title and Big Ten title every single year. I think this team can do it again. Although I will say there's a hungry Nebraska team that's looking pretty much just as good in different ways. Um, but I think Wisconsin looks awesome. I mean, they've held that number one spot now, currently this week, they'll keep that number one spot. So this will be four straight weeks. And yeah, they, they got through unscathed of a really tough non-conference schedule nine and oh, they've taken down one, two, three, four, five ranked opponents so far and came out five and oh, they got tested last week yesterday against Florida, but ended up coming out of that one. What I like about this team is when they are down, they don't give up, you know, I think back to them playing Florida, they're down 0-2. Of course, Florida star setter gets hurt, but this team didn't back down. They saw that as their opportunity to come back and, and get the reverse sweep. So I love what Kelly's doing up there. They have the pieces to be a national championship contending team. The biggest question for me is, can they handle the ball? Can they serve and pass? Can they defend? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the consensus around around um, kind of me and all of like the people that I've been talking to about about this team is that, Yes, they're probably, when they get in system, one of the best teams, offensively speaking, in the nation. I don't know if any anybody can match the kind of weapons that they have. But obviously, like you said, that the passing is is a real concern, uh, I think, with especially with the two six rotation outsides that they're running. And I feel like they took their best one and put her at libero this year. Um, so, I mean, if you're Kelly Sheffield, what, what, is, what is what what do you think is the solution there? If you if you had, you know all these pieces, how, how, what do you think if you, you would do in his position, how would you best deploy them in terms of getting good, good, better and better passing and service? 
Yeah, I think the biggest question, right. So to set up the scene, what they're tinkering with right now is you have an outside with Sarah Franklin, who's pretty much a staple. And then you have two other outsides with Yulia Orgel, who's one of the best ball handling six rotations outsides in the country. I think she's an incredible passer, but she struggles offensively from time to time. She can get really high error. She's not very tall. She's a bit undersized. She's a blocking liability. And then you brought in a transfer, Temi Thomas Ilara, who is a power hitter, not a very good passer. At times they either want to hide her or just not have her pass at all. But you have to have her on the court because of what she brings from an offensive standpoint. And now with her top spin serve back, she scores a lot of points in the end line as well. But the issue is you need ball control when you're running a 6-2 offense because you have six hitters coming through the court. You need to be able to pass. You have to be able to defend. If I'm Kelly Sheffield, I'm doing kind of what they've been doing, which is put Yulia Orgel at libero. I think you have to have that piece there to control everything. She's a much better passer than Guljay Guchtekin, who's a better defender. But I think at the end of the day, you need to be able to pass balls. You have to get Yulia Orgel as many balls as possible and serve receive. So that's what I would do with it. I think anytime that you can hide Temi Thomas Ilara from a passing standpoint, you kind of got to do it. She's not, not very good on that end. And then Sarah Franklin, she's been handling it pretty well. Um, I just think at the end of the day, the biggest thing for this team is being able to pass. They know they can run this offense. Um, you know, if one person isn't having a good night, great. You have five other hitters to go to. So it's not necessarily a question of, okay, you have players playing up and down and all of that. You have other options available from that standpoint. But the main thing for this group, you got to be able to pass. And they've struggled so far from time to time in this season. It hasn't been bad. Of course, they're still the number one team in the country, but that's the biggest focus I think for them is, is getting in the gym and, and getting that passing down because, you know, thinking toward the end of the season, when you think of the Nebraska's and you start getting into late in the tournament, you can't be a serve and pass team. That isn't very good. That's what happened to them against Pitt last season. They lost yeah. a serve and pass battle and hang with Pitt. So to me, I, I, I like what he's doing with Eula Orgelat libero and, and keep Tammy Thomas, I on the outside and then switch her out back row with Gucci Deccan. So you have a, a passer. Yeah, that is definitely, I think, what cost them last year. And they probably should have lost to Penn State in the Sweet 16, but they were able to squeak by there. And then obviously it all fell apart against Pitt in the Elite Eight last year. But, I mean, part of when I've been having this conversation with my friends, part of part of the question that I've been asking is, I mean, Wisconsin, they like to use some of that back row attack sometimes. So, I mean, having mm -hmm. Orzel at libero, meaning she can't take swings from, from the back, and Guchtekin as the... Uh, as the kind of the DS or even Damro, who they've been using kind of a little bit too, um, yeah. freshman from Wisconsin. So is this not, does that kind of play a factor into it, having a back row option uh, in those kind of rotations? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember talking to Kelly earlier about this in the year, but yeah, originally I remember coming in the season being like, okay, great opportunity. You keep Temi front row and then you put an original back row so you still have that attack and keep Guchtek and at libero. I think at this point in the season, the biggest issue for this team is not having offensive weapons. It's having passers and you always have three hitters up front. You don't necessarily need that attack from the back row with Tammy Thomas, Ilara. Yeah, it can be terminal. She's also pretty high error. So do you want to risk that from the back row where she isn't as efficient when Sarah Franklin's back row, you still have that offensive option from the back row as well with four attackers. So 
I would say that shouldn't be a priority for a team that always has three massive physical attackers up front. So yeah, I think it's fine keeping Guchtekin in. I think she's a better defender than some of the other DSs that you see. All right. So I guess that, that probably does, that makes sense. And we'll see, obviously, what Kelly does. I think kind of that, that uh, conference season is kind of where he's probably going to have it set, I would I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. But I don't move on to talk about a um, couple, obviously, Tammy Thomas-Alara, one of the transfers. Um, and then also Carter Booth is coming from Minnesota, and, and she's played quite well as well. So, I mean, what, what, is, what have been your thoughts on the two Wisconsin transfers so far and how have they impacted, uh, I guess more specifically, Booth, since we've touched on Tammy Thomas-Alara a little bit? Yeah, I think Carter Booth has done a phenomenal job. Thinking back to last season, her freshman year at Minnesota, she had a shaky start, I think, just getting used to college volleyball. Also, just growing into her body. I mean, she's 6'7". She's massive. And I think the way that she's gotten more comfortable, more fluid, more dynamic in her movements has been really helpful. We saw at the end of the season, she ended up finishing, you know, top 10 in the NCAA in blocks and fifth in the Big Ten in hit percentage last season. Now she's putting up those same numbers for a different team. And what she's doing really well is being consistent with that. Last season, we saw a lot of up and downs with her at Minnesota. That offense was also not an offense that prioritized a middle attack. Wisconsin is an offense that prioritizes getting their middles the ball, especially when you have a middle like Carter Booth, who's able to go up and over pretty much anyone and works really dang hard in transition to get off and and make sure that she's in a position to get set. So, I, I mean... I think she's doing incredible. She's a massive addition to this team that lost one of their best middles they've seen in a while with Danielle Hart. They haven't lost a step, just plugging Carter Booth into this offense. And, you know, lucky for Badger fans, she still has two years left. Yeah, that that's uh, definitely nice for sure. And they do have a couple of pieces coming in, I think, as well uh, to maybe, maybe – um... I think there's this middle blocker from Poland that they have coming in as well. So we'll see. I think that the depth will um, def- be there. That, that's the hope. And um, do you think, what, have, what about that? Do you think like a team like Florida where uh, kind of losing their setter kind of really hurt them, I think, against Wisconsin, maybe allowed Wisconsin to pull out that match? You're looking at the depth of Wisconsin because obviously, you know, if someone were to go down, do you think this team is kind of well equipped to to weather a storm of an injury? And in, in the case of like Danielle Hart getting hurt in that 2021 season as well, Wisconsin's still able to go on and win the win the tournament. How how do you, what are you thinking about the depth of this team? Yeah, I mean they don't necessarily have a particularly deep bench, mostly because they just don't have the numbers, I guess, in that sense. However, they do have the um, leniency because they run a six two say one of their players gets hurt, they can always go back to a 5-1 system. They can always just have, you know, one player or one setter in that system take out an outside. You have players like Devin Robinson and Anna Smrack that could also be playing middle. So say a Carter Booth or a CC gets hurt, you can easily plug Robinson in or Smrack at those positions. So I don't think it's a it's an issue there. I, I think with Sarah Franklin, Yulia Orgel, and Tammy Thomas-Ilara, you have flexibility there as well. If one of them gets hurt, it's an easy plug and play situation. So I will say this team is deep, but not necessarily from their bench, just from how much, how versatile every single player is. They have players that can play multiple positions and do it really well. 
Um, and that gives you a lot of flexibility in the sense of if you do have injuries, you can easily turn to someone who probably trains at that same position anyway and say, okay, well, we got to play you at middle today. Okay, well, you got to go outside today and they're ready to go. So yeah, I will say this is a very deep team. It's just funny when you look at their bench, they don't have that many players. Yeah, obviously we'll see. And hopefully it doesn't come to that, of course. And they can kind of just ride with everyone that they have as they go for that fifth straight Big Ten title. And speaking of that, we'll kind of broaden it out a little bit and um, talk about the rest of the Big Ten. I think it's it's been obviously for the for most of the Big Ten, except for Wisconsin and Nebraska, it feels like the, the non-conference slates that each team has been scheduling a little bit. They've had some wins, had some losses kind of mixed in there. Um, I think the, the top four that we had coming into the year was probably Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Penn State. Uh, I think of those four, um, and maybe Nebraska might have to be excluded from this just because of how they've looked this year. But I guess of the other kind of more middle tier teams, is there anyone that you think could sort of surprise kind of that top two, I guess, with Wisconsin and Nebraska? You know, I, at this point in the season, from what I've seen from all these teams, I think it's Nebraska and Wisconsin versus everyone else. I feel like there's a pretty big drop right now in terms of level of play. That's not to say some of these teams won't challenge them. I just think, you know, a Penn State, a Minnesota, Ohio State, they have a lot of things to figure out before I think they're going to look comfortable and um, just fluid during Big Ten play. These these middle-of-the-pack teams that are normally pushing those top teams, like a Penn State, um, Maryland – or not Maryland, Minnesota, Ohio State. Ohio State took a massive dip this year. They lost five of their players, five starters. So this team is kind of figuring things out, you know, against – ranked opponents they're 0 and 6 they're not having a great start still ranked in the top 25 but I'm still surprised by that because they haven't really beaten anyone uh they took and taken a lot of L's you know Georgia Tech twice Pitt like all all these teams that are kind of just crushing them so we've seen a dip there from Purdue I've been surprised I don't think they will test a Wisconsin or Nebraska but they're fun to watch they've got two really exciting outside hitters one of them Chloe Shacoin I think she's the best freshman um in the big 10 right now at least she's playing like it she's 510 she's explosive she just like makes you excited to watch volleyball um minnesota still things to figure out taylor landfair is not having a very good year she was a reigning big 10 player of the year they have had their other outside uh sophomore mckenna wooker step up and do a really good job they've had issues on the right side lydia grote has gone off in matches and had you know massive double digit kill nights and then she'll hit negative the next night I think with the new coach, they just are still getting used to the systems and figuring things out. Melanie Schaffmaster, Minnesota setter, also came out of their game against Creighton on Saturday. They're kind of just having a little bit of issues. And a lot of that is growing pains with new players and new positions. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think when you look at the Big Ten right now, it is Wisconsin and Nebraska, pretty big dip and everyone else. All right, let's talk about Nebraska a little bit then, because they're kind of they're very very young, right? They have yeah. three or four freshmen that are that are starting for them, um, and then obviously Lexi Rodriguez is playing as good as ever on the on the on the back end, some mm-hmm. crazy plays in the match yesterday. Um, but Nebraska, do you think that that youth is going to catch up to them at some point? They really it hasn't obviously so far. They got a big win on the road against Stanford, but uh, at some point, do you think kind of that youth is going to um, kind of play a factor moving forward. 
I think youth plays a factor in two different ways, and it depends how it goes. You have one way where you have players like Harper Murray, Andy Jackson, Bergen Riley, who don't know what they don't know. So, for example, if you're Harper Murray and you're an outside, you don't know what it's like to play against number five Stanford. You probably feel the same way about it as you do playing a game against Long Beach State. Like, you're just out there playing volleyball. You don't know the history between these teams you don't know that Nebraska hasn't beaten Stanford in, you know, since 2016, nine, like whatever it is, eight years. So in that sense, you have you're a little bit more naive as a freshman coming in because you don't know all the history, nor do you really care. You're like, hey, I'm here to play volleyball. Let's go. You've never lost to these teams because you haven't played these teams. So in that way, it's it's been fun to watch these freshmen come in because they're just swinging all out. They're not afraid to take a big rip in a tough situation. You know, Bergen Riley is one of the most athletic setters I think that I've seen. And she's doing a great job making this offense completely balanced. Their defense is back on track to where it was last year, leading the nation in opponent hitting percentage. And now their offense has matched that. And their offense looks just as good, if not, I mean, I think exponentially better than it did last season because they have an elite setter running a 5-1 to where everything's, the connections are a little bit more shirt up. Things just look better. Um I th there's the other flip side of it where do the freshmen stall out you know do they get to a point where people start to figure them out do they get tired playing in their first you know collegiate season does big 10 season weigh on them the travel the school the blah 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 you know everything that comes into mm -hmm. being a freshman there are players where you see them either stall out or take a dip you know when you get halfway through conference play I will say from what I've seen from this team I've I've had I think four or five of their games now and they're playing the exact same day one as they have now. And they even look better doing it. So against a team like Stanford, they had been playing this exact same volleyball the whole year, but it just wasn't against a top five opponent. What I like about this team is that they don't care if they're playing a, a top five team, a, a you know, a ranked a hundred, like they don't, they don't care who it is. They're going to play Nebraska volleyball. And that's what makes this team exciting is, you know, what you're going to get out of them. And they got some young players who I think are, more fiery than I think I've ever seen this Nebraska team. So do you think that this is the year that Nebraska A beats Wisconsin for the first time in forever? And I guess B on a larger scale, maybe even wrestles the big 10 away from them. Honestly, I think if there were a year to do it, it would be this year. Um, last year they came in. I don't think they really stood a chance against what Wisconsin was throwing at them. They had the defense to do it, but their offense was not up to speed. This season, they do have the best defense in the country, and their offense looks really dang good. They have two middles who are just physical, dominant, get the team hype. Their setter, she's a freshman, but she constantly finds them in transition. She's disguises her set so well, which even against the best blockers, people you know, like we see players at Wisconsin, she disguises it really well, so it's very tough to read and get a closed block to. They also have a freshman outside Harper Murray, who's just been an absolute stud. Uh, she's an incredible passer. She plays great off blocker defense. Her offense is, you know, on par with some of the best outsides in the conference right now. And they have an opposite transfer, Merritt Beeson from Florida, who is all SEC. Um, she knows what it's like to play at a high level on a Florida team that was always in contention for titles. So, I don't know. I think if there were a year that Nebraska was going to test Wisconsin out of the last five or so, it would it would definitely be this year. They look really dang good from a ball control standpoint. I think that's where they have Wisconsin beat. Wisconsin beats them in physicality, but 
defense and ball control, that can be the difference in games if you're very low error. So I don't know. It's going to be exciting. You know, these teams get each other twice. We'll see them about halfway through conference play and then right at the end. But as it has for the last few years, I think it's going to come down to to those last two games. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on with in terms of Nebraska, I mean, we at Wisconsin can't give them credit for much, but they did do something pretty <laughs> cool um, at the end of August. And that was the, the volleyball day in Nebraska. Uh, the big attendance record, over 93,000 people uh, filling up that football stadium for a volleyball match. That was pretty cool to see. You were there, obviously. Um, what was that like to be a part of? Oh, my gosh. It was it was the coolest thing ever. I, I keep telling people I, I genuinely don't think there will ever be an event that will feel like that for volleyball ever again. You can recreate it. I'm sure Nebraska in the future will do more of this, but it's never going to feel like it did in Lincoln on August 30th. You know, the emotion from everyone. I've never seen John Cook get that emotional in my life. He cried like six times that day. And this is a this is a guy who barely even, you know, doesn't laugh, barely gets mad. Like he's always just here. You know, he was he was so emotional and that made us so emotional. And and to see 92,000 people not just show up for volleyball, but women's sports in general, you know, we don't we don't get that. And to see that many people show up, be so excited for it and, you know, to be as loud as they were and as, as, you know, hype as they were throughout the entire game was, was so fun. That game sold out in 48 hours. So, you know, we knew that it was going to be a packed house, but we didn't know the exact number and we thought it would be around 85, 90,000 and the record to beat we found to come was a world record that was a little over 91,600. And when they, you know, the cheerleaders threw up their, their signs saying 92003, it was like, I've never heard of a, a stadium like that. And I think that was something that I will never forget. And I don't think will ever be recreated. Yeah, it was very cool to watch. So I, I'm glad that I'm glad that the the sport is starting to get some of the some of the love that you know it it deserves because it's a because it is a very very awesome sport. Uh, yeah. Last things that I wanted to touch on, um, just kind of more on the national stage. Obviously, kind of some of the major players so far have been through non conference play: Texas or Stanford, Louisville, Nebraska, Wisconsin, obviously. But a team that kind of has surprisingly dipped a little bit or maybe not so because of how much they lost last year is Texas and um kind of what what, we, what about Texas and what are the thoughts on on them and kind of the fact that they're not quite there where they're especially not where they were last year but um kind of what 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 is the the thinking there with Texas yeah you know Texas lost one of the best players to I think ever play at the collegiate level, Logan Eggleston, their outside attacker. She was the national player of the year last season. Um, she was their leader. She was the heart and soul of that team. So they lose her. They also lose one of the best, if not the best libero in the country last season was Zoe Flack. This team just has a lot of pieces that aren't necessarily replaceable. It's really hard to replace a Logan Eggleston or a Zoe Flack. They have a new setter coming in. They have a few pieces that are doing well. They're just not the Texas that we saw last year where they only dropped one game and um, wins a national title and is blowing through, you know, big 12 play. They're not the same team, but they're still a very good team. They still have pieces with Madison Skinner. Um, Jenna Wenis came over from Minnesota and is doing an incredible job. Their libero, Emma Halter, has been impressive. She's still young, has a few years left. 
Um, they have, I think, the best middle in the country with Asia O'Neal, who is an absolute stud, played with Team USA this summer, and I had the chance to cover them. And honestly, I thought she was USA's best middle. And, you know, we're talking about two players that just won a gold medal on the um, Tokyo Olympic team. So they have pieces. They're just pretty young and rebuilding and, and are figuring it out. But yeah, I mean, they're not the the Texas that we, we saw in 2022. Last question, because I know I got to let you go here shortly. Um, thanks again for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule uh, to chat with us. Um, but non-conference play is wrapping up for a lot of teams. You got an updated Final Four prediction for for us? Oh, Final Four. All right. Um, I, I'm going to put Wisconsin and Nebraska in there. And then I'll, I've said this since the beginning. I think Stanford's going to make a deep run. So I'll throw Stanford in there which leaves me one spot that I would pick. I'm going to go Louisville every year. I, not that I discredit them. I just am still getting used to the fact that Louisville is good every year. And I see the pieces they have. And if I put those pieces against other teams, I would normally pick the other team in terms of matchup, but Louisville just every freaking game every year they find ways to win um and i'm i'm sick of discrediting them so yeah i'll go wisconsin nebraska louisville and sanford which i know is not that fun because those are teams that are all in the top five but i i do feel like right now there are five teams that i think are just above everyone else and that is wisconsin nebraska sanford louisville I would have had Florida in there but their starting setter just went out so i i think they have some things to figure out all right. Thank you so much for taking some time. Um, and we'll see you on Big Ten and ESPN as the season goes on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. All right. That was Emily Eman from Big Ten Network and ESPN. Again, a big thank you to her for joining us uh, on this inaugural episode of the Jump Around podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to hear from her quite a bit more and Obviously, she'll be on TV quite a bit this year. So uh, I've been doing Big Ten volleyball, which is uh, there's a lot of volleyball on TV this year, and, and it's awesome. So love to see this sport growing so much. Thanks again to the guys, Joey Bonadonna, David Giardino, and Evan Schmidt. And that is going to officially wrap things up for the first episode of Jump Around. So hope you keep tuning in. Uh, we'll have definitely more episodes coming out in the future on all kinds of different topics within the athletics department. And hey, this was super fun. So uh, I can't wait for the next one. And until the next time, uh, Anthony Winker signing off. Good night and on Wisconsin. Thanks for listening to a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents.